Yo, what's up, everyone? It's Josh Tungle, and I'm very excited about today's guest. Her name is Suzanne Wilson, aka the Carefree Medium. And Suzanne Wilson is an evidential medium and spiritual teacher.、Uh, born gifted, she hid in what's called a psychic closet while working as a corporate executive and university director until she had a near death experience that changed her mind about what matters most in life and afterlife. And her mission is to teach people how to make their own connections with guides and loved ones in spirit. And has also participated in controlled scientific research with Dr. Gary Schwartz, who states that when it comes to mediumship and credibility, quote, Suzanne has been one of the best, end quote. And so she currently serves as a vice president for the Afterlife Research and Education Institute and is also on board of advisors for the Soul Phone Foundation at the University of Arizona. And lastly, she's also the author of the book Soul Smart. What the Dead Teach Us About Spirit Communication. And I think a second edition is coming out very soon. So, Suzanne, it's nice to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Joshua. I'm delighted to be here with you. Awesome. Okay, so now before we get into this whole talking to the dead stuff, which might throw off some of my listeners, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how this all started for you. It actually started when I was a very young child. I would see colors around people, lights around people, and sometimes people that others didn't see. And、um, I learned very quickly in school that I was scaring the other kids and even some of the teachers, but that the information that the spirit lights brought out to me would be quite accurate. So I was known as Crazy Susie for quite a while in school. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was a little,、uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't quite fit in, you know what I mean? So I didn't want to go to school. I would rather just play with my invisible playmates. And eventually, my mother had me sit down and talk to her dad about why does my daughter not want to go to school and why is she so unpopular? Well, I was very fortunate that. My maternal grandfather was a Presbyterian minister. He had a PhD in metaphysical sciences.、Mm. And, you know, this is the 70s. This is a long time ago. And there weren't a lot of shows about psychic kids and things like that. But he really surprised me because when I sat down and talked to him about, you know, I don't want to go because I'm excited about the things I see, but they get me in trouble and I get, you know, knocked down on the playground and stuff by kids who are mad at me. He, I, I said, you know, I see these things and they're beautiful. He really surprised me, Joshua, because my grandfather, the preacher, said, I see them too. <laughs> nice. That began a big, long journey, I'll tell you, because I learned that I had to hide the、uh, abilities that I had to fit in. But at the same time, I was absolutely fascinated. With them. So I worked very hard on getting an education as I was growing up. My grandfather passed when I was 14. He wasn't around anymore. And there wasn't really anybody to talk to about the abilities because they weren't scary, bad, or evil. And when I tried to talk to other young people, all they wanted to do was sit around and tell ghost stories and play with a Ouija board. <laughs> they didn't get it. They didn't、yeah. get that that was a beautiful thing. So I kind of tuned out. Or, or at least I tuned in secretly when nobody was looking and、um, became sort of just the corporate person for a while. Okay. So, I mean, then how did it, you get back into it? Well, you know, I always quote John Lennon that life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans.、Okay. So, the、oh. universe sort of gave me a wake up call. I'd spent my 20s 
and my 30s, just accumulating things and awards and um, degrees. I got a bachelor's in management, a master's in public administration. I was certified as a senior professional in HR. I had my university director positions. Then I went into the private sector just so I could make a lot more money. And I was in a big corporate headquarters in HR. And I did have lots of money and stock options and things and the big house, three cars and a boat, two jet skis and all this stuff. And, you know, Joshua, Joshua, I was not happy. Hmm. And then all of a sudden in 2007, I had an anaphylactic shock um, condition, which is a very severe allergic reaction and a near-death experience where I stepped out of my body briefly. And it sort of reconnected me to what's important in life. And my grandfather was in that near-death experience with his arms around me. But um, I went back into the body because I was given a shot of epinephrine and something else. I don't know exactly what happened, but um, I know that that I didn't die, obviously. But after that, Joshua, all I wanted to do was hug people. I wanted to tell them it's all about love. And um, I couldn't be that corporate clone in in the Hillary Clinton pantsuits anymore. (laughs) I just, you know, I wanted to be free to express the greater reality. And um, I really downsized my life because, you know, in the corporate world, you you can make as much money as you can imagine if if you're going to work really hard and get your education and, you know, play the game and all that. And you just don't, I don't know too many mediums that are really, really wealthy. Even that top like 5% that's on TV, you know, they're, they're stretching to meet their bills or whatever. But I was very fortunate that my husband was, was good with it. He was like, this is who you are. This is what you have to do. Um, I hate to see you, you know, throw away your education. We found out that I didn't throw away my education because now I'm involved with a lot of research and I understand research right. models. Um, but my goal is to get everybody on board with the fact that you, every listener, you have the ability to make your own direct connection with your own beloved people and pets and spirit. And so I had a, I'm a late bloomer, but I'm here <laughs> and it's never too late. Right, right. Well, late bloomer in the sense that you were more focused this time in kind of transitioning and making like a full-time career, right? But I mean, you've been saying all this stuff your whole life. Well, it, it's who I am, but I used to be ashamed uh, okay. of who I am. So all those years, you never met like anyone that was like open and, you know, saying, hey, this stuff's normal besides your grandpa? Every once in a while I did and, and they would turn out to be like they wanted to be famous. They wanted to I be see. on TV. And it was, I was, I always look at motivation sure. um, with the gifts that people have. And I, I, I actually don't want to be famous. I just want to reach as many people as possible with the good news. And, um, you know, if, if that means I get in front of a bunch of people, great. So I've been in front of thousands of people and that's fine. But my motivation isn't my fame. My motivation is spreading the good news about the greater reality yeah and i got that vibe from you i know you know we were just talking before we started recording like when i first heard about you i was like i got good vibes from you know just hearing your talks and i'm like this person seems legit and just like just hearing other people's testimonies about you 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 do seem like a person of integrity and you know we haven't met a person yet but you know i got good vibes and just 
sensing your heart to really want to help people. And so, you know, that's why I'm really um, excited that you're here on the show and just sharing your story and just a lot of your insights and stuff. So, you know, let's start with some definitions first, because I know a lot of people, they've heard of the term medium, um, but you're considered what's called an evidential medium. Uh, What exactly does that mean? An evidential medium is a mental medium, which means that the medium uses their mind to connect with those who are not now in bodies. And evidential just means evidence-based. So that when I give my client information, there is evidence with it that identifies that this surely must be a contact directly with their loved one because this is information that verifies it's really them. And that can be things as simple as a detail about um, an item that let's say that was handed down. Um, I left you my china when I passed and it has the little tiny lilac pattern around the edges and and you haven't used it lately. And the the client says, wow, that's amazing. And and like, you're great. And I'm like, no, they're great. (laughs) The love bond between, and you're great because the love bond between you and this loved one is so strong that I ride the wave of that energy and can get that information for you. So I'm not just saying they love you, they're with you, they watch you. Yes, that's all true. So I will say that, but there will be evidence with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's just something I think a lot of people would want to hear. I mean, especially skeptical people, right? Because you always hear a lot of like psychics and mediums say, oh, you know, so-and-so is coming through. They're just telling you that they're with you and they love you. And that's probably true, but you know, it's like from a skeptical point of view, it's it's hard to believe that this stuff is real unless you gave some of those details, like what you were talking about, like you know, China handed down, or you have certain like dates or other objects that are so personal or private that's not like on someone's right. about me page on Facebook or something like that, right? So yeah, and and see, you mentioned Facebook, and that can be a problem because people will put their whole lives oh, yeah. out there, <laughs> yeah. you know, like. What? Right. Hold something back, folks. So um, 10 minutes before I sit down to do a session, um, and just for your listeners, please don't call me for a private session because I'm just way too bombarded. And um, for a while, I had to stop doing that because I'm teaching so much. But, um, but but before I sit down for this session, I'll say, listen, can you, Spirit, who's coming in for Joshua, can you give me something that they're is no way that it's it's out there or whatever so there can be 10 things that you can look up afterwards in a read but there should be 10 more that you can't yeah yeah so i mean that's it's like something that you can verify Mm -hmm. that's just not out in the public so so i mean what would be the difference between like a psychic and a medium then well a psychic is reading the the actually the sitter or the client's energy like your aura and the energy the aura, exactly. So the energy around you will carry things about your past, your present, and future potentials. And uh, the medium can do that, but the medium can also get information direct from the spirit world. So um, all, when you hear that saying that everyone's probably heard, all mediums are psychic, but not all psychics right, are medium. Right. That, that's why. Although there can be some overlap from time to time, it's perfectly natural for a psychic to once in a while get information directly 
from the spirit world. But mediums do it in a very sustained way where we can sit down with someone, you know, for 45 minutes or something and, and, and keep getting information from the spirit world where a psychic may get it from time to time. You could get information, Joshua, for someone else from time to time because, you know, we're all connected. We're all part of the same soul, really, the same spirit and the universal consciousness, and we're all connected with the creator. Right. And that's something that you teach, right? That it's not just you, but absolutely, which is really I'm cool. Monotheistic, one God, one creator lives in all of us. We're all connected with each other. We're all connected with all living things, our plants, our, our animals. This is, this is the greater reality. And we never really die. Only the physical body ever really dies. Right. And then we just transition. Right with our consciousness, and and I think that's what's so empowering about just hearing about your work is, you know, you're not here to just say, hey, everybody, come to me for a reading. But you're like, if people do come to you, you're you're actually pointing them to look within themselves and to wake up those those gifts that were kind of dormant, you know, and within them, and to try to practice communicating and paying attention to their feelings and their thoughts, etc. So I just find that very empowering because you know, even for me. Uh, just growing up as a religious person, as a Christian, I grew up always like fighting certain individuals as, oh, that guy is special because he has a gift of this or a gift of that and prophecy or healing. And it's like they're always put on a pedestal, you know. And then when I started to discover, you know, a lot of these um, what we what we would call gifts is like I wanted to teach people to say, hey, you guys can do what I do, too. You know, that the same God who's in me is also the same God that's in you. So I just found that very, I like that, you know, that, you know, I resonate with a lot of what you do because I, I see your heart to really want to help people, you know. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes to, let's just say like, you know, quote unquote dead people, because I know no one really is really dead. But mm-hmm. can, is it something that you could switch on and off? Because like you said, you could not just, I mean, you could actually see them. I mean, so do you see them like physically or do they look kind of like transparent? You know, like how, how do they look like to you? Well, you've given me a good opportunity to explain a couple of terms that are actually used in the research and in, in, in these abilities and in, in afterlife um, studies, and that is seeing. There's two ways for the medium to see. There's objective seeing and subjective seeing. Objective seeing is seeing them in the room, just like a person. And a way to remember that is think of, I see an object. Okay, subjective seeing is seeing the the spirit in your mind's eye, sort of like a daydream. That daydream can now like superimpose itself for a second or two um, over whatever you're looking at, but it's not like it's in the room. Do you see the difference? Sure, sure. Subjective is like the daydream, and I see. I would say eighty to ninety percent of the time, if it's a spirit, I'll see it subjectively. When I was a child, I saw it objectively. So I was bumping into people all the time <laughs> as a child. And it kind of made me a little neurotic. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so um, <laughs> if you see them like physically, like objectively, um, like how, how would you tell whether or not they're, they're dead? You know, do they like walk through walls or? You can't. Okay. It takes time. I, I, I've even had a full-on conversation with a, a, a little girl in a park um, a few years back not that long ago where we were talking, I was walking my two dogs, we're in the park and we chatted and she told me, she, I live right over there. And she pointed to a house and she said, and that's my brother. 
and there was a boy riding a bicycle that didn't really seem to notice us. And um, we had a full on five minute conversation. And as we walked away, I watched her walk towards that house and just evaporate and realized, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so they do fool me once in a while, you know? So people, but, so people watching you are thinking, what is that lady doing <laughs> talking to yeah, nobody? She's talking to herself. <laughs> Fortunately, I had two dogs. Maybe they thought I was talking to them. Right, but, right. you know, she wanted to be around her home and she wanted to be around her brother. And that's, that's, that is the truth of the greater reality is that we are their heaven yes they have a wonderful life there there's lots of activities and the arts and and um sciences and socializing and music and things there but we are their heaven too and they come and check on us frequently and celebrate with us and prop us up when we're sad so i mean how do you deal with privacy then you know so i mean that's one thing to be outside you know talking to some kid that you know was someone that was dead but like, what about in your home? I mean, how do you deal with, like, going to the bathroom or showering or even sex? You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah, those are things that people the, get uncomfortable right. thinking about. Great question. And right after the near-death experience in 2007, I didn't have a way to deal with it. And I can remember getting, I, I'm in the bathroom with the door shut. And I have one, two, three, four knocks on the door twice. I'm the only one at home. And I guarantee you, Michelle <laughs> we're not knocking knocking on the door. I mean, yeah, weird stuff. So what happened then is I had the same teachers that I had been going to, to learn how to um, hone my abilities. And it was a big secret. And oh, don't tell anybody because I've got my corporate job. I had to go back to them and say, guys, help me. I can't shut it off. So I learned uh, better grounding and centering. I learned that just like you have to make boundaries with living people and tell them when to back off or give you space or when they're crossing lines, you do the same thing with the spirit world. So it's not necessarily switching off like you don't see them when you don't, well, like they don't just appear out of nowhere all the time, but it's like you just kind of deal with them in a different way. Like, say, hey, guys. It's sort of a combination, okay. really, is I have things that I do that say I'm on and I'm off, but they still might want to try to break through, especially because the, the the light or the aura or the energy of a medium is bright and that can attract them. So they still might want to break through. And so what I've done is I've designated the hallway of my house as a place where they can come visit. And that's it. Any other room in the house, my team, my, my guardian angel mainly, well, just kick them in the butt and just get them out, <laughs> right, literally. Right, right. So and they're I'm pretty respectful. I have an office. <laughs> well, they, they have to be, you know, because I tell them I'm the medium. Nothing gets through unless I put it through. So you want, you're going to have to follow the rules. And if you don't, here's my guardian angel and she'll just make you follow the rules. But see, the great thing about having made all that money, which I don't have anymore, is that I was able to buy my own office condo. So I do most of my work, 99% of my work is done at my office and that's always full of spirit. So <laughs> I can just like lock the door, go home and then at home they're only in my hallway and they're only connected to me and my clients. Does your husband see anything too? Yeah, he does? he'll deny it. He'll he'll totally <laughs> deny it. He, he was like, okay, so think of this, you know, he's um, a former Marine Master Sergeant, an engineer, and an entrepreneur and very left brain guy, very, very analytical. And um, 
you know, I, I'll come home from work, make dinner, and I'm hearing a voice from down the hallway, and I'll, I'll say, do you hear that? He'll say, yeah, it's been going on all day. It's one of your people. <laughs> well, he hears it. Uh, he's seen things. And mostly, I think his abilities have picked up because, you know, he's around me all the time. Sure, yeah. But we've also been able to see, you know, our dogs that have passed have shown up at our house, and he's been able to see them objectively, which is really neat. So, I mean, when it comes to, like, you guys seeing these you know, like whether it's pets or even human beings, like what's the difference between what you would call a ghost and what, and, you know, another term that other people hear is like these earthbound spirits. What are the difference between those? First off, the earthbound spirits are very, very rare. Okay. It's like um, sighting a manatee in certain parts of Florida. People say they're there, but you never see them. I mean, it, it's very, very rare. And um, that's, we think that there's lots of them because of the fact that we see these TV shows that play up what I call scary, bad, evil. Mm, right. And it, it's not. But the earthbounds are those that at death, they, for whatever reason, didn't get directly into the light. Free will still applies on heaven as it does on earth. And nobody can make you go into the light. They can stand there and say, come on in, but they can't pull you in. So those who didn't, uh, the light's always there for them. The creator never turns his, her back on a soul. So they, for whatever reason, they're ignoring the light and they're here. Some of them are because they're afraid of judgment if they go across. Some are because they were just super, super concerned about something here on the earth. But um, Or like unfinished business or you know, like you see that I, in movies? I, yeah, but more about things like you know, they're, they were very responsible for um, a lot of family members that they're concerned about. I can't leave them. Or they, around, yeah. Know, yeah, or they love their stuff, like a really wealthy person with a huge home and lots of art and things like that. What they don't realize is if they will just get their arses into the white light, <laughs> get to the other side, they can recreate that whole thing there even better. So what would be the difference between, you know, those earthbound spirits and a ghost then? Well, I, pretty much the same thing, although ghost, you know, it's all labels, Joshua. It's just semantics. It's all labels. Yeah, but, but the main thing is there's also something called a residual haunting where there's just an energy imprint and it's like a movie's replaying. There's no intelligence behind that, but some people will call that a ghost. Um, so that that would be the main difference, I think, between earthbound and ghosts it's like something being played on repeat like you see the same kid over and over just walking through the hallway like for whatever reason is that what you're talking right. about okay right so where exactly would you say that that community is right here right here with us absolutely like, absolutely right here <laughs> it's right just at a different you. uh frequency you would say a different frequency a uh, different vibe and you know what? This is where a lot of people stop listening to the radio show. Oh, they're talking about this frequency. They're talking about vibe, vibration, because they don't know what it is. So can, do you mind if I explain that of a little course. bit? Of course, yeah. Feel free. All right. So I can remember back in um, grade school science class, and I loved my science class. Um, Mrs. Flanagan did a little experiment with us. And when we came into the class and sat down, she had a glass of water, a bowl of ice cubes, 
and she had a, a glass beaker full of water on an old Bunsen burner. That's just like a little stovetop burner. And she was talking, we were studying atoms and molecules. And she said, here's the water. She drank some water and she said, water in um, its natural state, it's, it's, it moves freely and flows. And then she said, now here are the ice cubes. I've frozen the water. I have slowed down the vibration of the molecules. So this is water at its slowest rate. It is heavy, it is solid. And then right about that moment, the water on the Bunsen burner started to boil and steam was coming out. And she said, and now here's water at its fastest vibration rate. Would anyone like to come up here and try to drink the water at its fast, you know, mm. at its fastest vibration rate? No, you can't drink steam. So this is what we're on earth here to do. It is to raise our vibration so that we can never ever be brought back down into the low level, the low level thinking, the low level being. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, which ultimately the highest vibration would be love, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The highest vibration is what you teach. Right. Uh, right. In, in your work, that's mm. what you've always taught yeah. in your work. And we lose people when we say love everyone, love everything, <laughs> because you can't make yourself feel love. So think of love as a behavior. Love is a behavior of respect and compassion for self and others. Right. Kindness, all that stuff. So yeah, for sure. So it makes sense to me. You know, so I mean, it, with these different beings that are around us that are vibrating at different frequencies, I mean, of course, the whole topic of spirit guides comes up and guardian angels. I mean, in your opinion, are they, are they the same thing? And like, how many do we have? You have on your team right now exactly who you need. Uh, it could be three, it could be seven, it could be 10. And these are loving, uh, beneficial beings who only want to help you achieve the things that you need to grow as a soul. In spirit guides, most of them have lived several times on the earth, and that's how they've amassed their their body of expertise. You know, you have to come here to the School of Hard Knocks Earth and, you know, take your hits and, you know, your wins and your losses to learn what it's like so that you can help the person as their spirit guide later on. Not all of them have lived here many times, but most of them have. The angelic realm, most of them don't reincarnate or, or incarnate, I should say, on Earth at all. They're the loving beings that are in an even higher vibration than spirit guides. And they're here for the peace, love, and protection aspects of our life. So you have also subject matter expert guides on your team. And they're the ones that come in for a season or a reason, depending on what's going on in your life. So there's just a lot going on there. But, you know, you're attracting the guides that you need at any given day. Basically, though, it's like we do have one main one, correct? That's been with us from the beginning. Main one. Yes. And then the other and ones come along, you know, based upon yes. like certain uh, things that we have planned, you know, like whether it's for work or school, like we have different guys for different things. Is that pretty yeah. much it? Yeah, uh, they're relationship guides. Like if you're going through a divorce, uh, that will come in and help you through that. Or you've just gotten married and um, they'll help you with 
you know, that, that adjustment as well. Whatever's happening, there are healing guides. Most people have one or two that come in and help them heal themselves and come in and help them to help others heal. That one guide, I, I refer to it as the master spirit guide. You might think of them as the main guide or primary guide. Master doesn't mean they're the your master. You're your master of your own destiny because sure. it's all free will. But the master spirit guide, there, there needs to be one that's with you from birth to death and in between lives that has the whole picture. And they kind of coordinate these other guides, but they're also, think of them as your BFF or best friend forever <laughs> in spirit. They're always right. there. Right. So I know one thing that could go on in people's mind is, is like, okay, that's nice to hear that, like maybe in theory, right? Like, But mm -hmm. a lot of people feel alone. You know, so like, why, if that's true, why, why, why do a lot of us feel alone at times? We like feel no alone there, because of know? the duality and the duality of our nature, meaning we're part spirit and we're part physical being. This soul within the body, that is our true self. And that really resides, we believe, in the conscious the subconscious mind while the conscious mind the part of you that analyzes and rationalizes and makes decisions about what is happening is more connected to the body so that the subconscious kind of it, there's kind of a dual split there where the soul of you that knows that life is eternal that knows the greater reality it sort of gets subjugated or buried or put on the in the back seat of the car while the driver now is the conscious mind that's got to survive the earth. So um, the conscious mind will tell us, no one likes me. My latest project didn't go through. I'm fat or I'm, I'm too skinny or I'm getting too old. Or, I'm too young to get that. And the subconscious mind is going, you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. You're loved. Right. You're surrounded by loving beings at this moment. Your ancestors are here proud of you. And um, it's just hard to turn in, tune in to that subconscious that knows who we really are. The best way to do that is to get quiet. And if you can't meditate, don't meditate. Instead, just sit out with nature and focus on one word like love or peace or bliss. That the, that, that's the best way I know to hear the subconscious soul self. Mm. So just like at a soul level, we know deep down that we are loved and we're not alone, which, as you said, like we know meditation can help <laughs> or even looking at nature. Right. So and, and for my people that are phobic of meditation and they're that I feel like that really is a phobia that should be classified. <laughs> don't think of it as meditation. Because then you get really hard on yourself and beat yourself up about I can't meditate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just right. be with nature and focus on one word. And if it helps you set your timer on your phone for five minutes, and if a thought floats in, don't entertain it, don't push it away, just let it float by. And you'll find that, oh, five minutes becomes seven, becomes 10. And um, I really only meditate myself 10 minutes a day, and that's plenty. Same here. Um, you know, uh, just I mean, this is kind of like a loaded question, but it's related to the whole guardian angels thing. I mean, like, People, of course, this will pop up in people's minds. Where were guardian angels when someone is like tragically killed, like or in a car accident or something? We have exit points built into the life plan. And in 200 years of afterlife research, um, 
with information coming through mediums that don't even know each other in different cities before there was even an internet. Mediums would say the average person has three to four exit points in their life. And whether you take that as a function of the, you know, a decision made between your soul, your team, or whatever. So like a soul contract. Let's use an example of a soul contract. Yeah. Sure. I mm -hmm. don't believe that everything's contractual. I think the broad strokes are, and certainly exit points or potential deaths are, are in there, right? Mm -hmm. And blissfully, we don't know <laughs> when those points are because, um, you know, some of them might take them just to get out of here. And that's not the point either. But, okay, so let's say, all right, big car accident. I'm, how many people know somebody who walked away without a scratch from a nasty car accident? You know, you hear that, right? Yeah. So the, that person will say, wow, my guardian angel was with me. Or people say, wow, you must have a great guardian angel. Well, the guy didn't have an exit point at that time. If he did, he would have gone. So let's say there was an exit point. He would have died. Where was the guardian angel? If it's your time to go and your soul's agreed, I'm taking this exit point or it's my last one and I have no choice, your guardian angel's still there. But what they do is they come in and wrap arms around you and slip the soul out of the body so that at death you don't feel that terror and that pain. So they're doing their job. But if there was no exit point, then the guardian angel puts arms around. And I, by arms, I mean energy. They, they'll put arms around you and um, protect you from even getting a scratch. So one way or the other, the guardian angel is doing their job. Don't blame the angel, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it could go on in people's minds, right? With, like, people dying on an airplane. I'm like, hey, I, a lot of them died, but this one or two didn't. It's like... Did the other angels not do their job well? So what you're saying is that um, all of them had their guardian angels, but it's just some of them had certain exit points at that time, while others didn't. Yeah, the guardian angel will assure that your death is not terrifying and painful. Now, now somebody's going to say, wait a second, Suzanne, I just saw my loved one suffer for years or months with cancer, and it was painful and it was terrifying. That's different. That's not death. That's the injury, the illness, whatever leading up to the death. The death itself is never terrifying and it's never painful because of the guardian angel. Big difference. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. You know, now since you're considered an evidential medium, you have any stories that you can share without, you know, having to mention any of your clients' names or whatever story that could kind of help out some skeptics? So they could actually consider and say, like, huh, that's that's interesting, you know. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. Oh, oh. Just anything um, that comes off the top of your mind? Actually, a very well, very, very well documented one. And you mentioned in your intro of me, which is very nice. And thank you for that, um, by the way. But you mentioned that I've uh, participated in double-blind, triple-blind, scientific-controlled lab studies and that's pretty dry stuff it's not exciting <laughs> sure. but it does it provides the evidence that sure. science needs and i'm happy to volunteer my time to do that but i also have a very well documented case that didn't happen in the science lab uh, that's also in my book soul smart what the dead teach us about spirit communication where two young men in spirit were able to come through to two different mediums 
together. They didn't know each other in life, but they met in the afterlife and gave evidential details that they were together. It's called Hiking in Heaven. And in fact, I just presented this case at the Helping Parents Heal annual conference. Um, it's a conference for bereaved parents. It's a group I've been involved with since the beginning about eight years ago. So I'm doing this reading for this woman named Jody Ruff, and she lives in um, South Car or North Carolina where the Citadel is. Her awesome son, Brian Ruff, was a Citadel cadet. It's a military school. And he had a bad dream that the trip he and his buddies were planning to drive down to Florida to see a game, that they had an accident, that the car wrapped around a tree, and all of them died. He tried to talk the boys out of going, and they made fun of him. They went without him. Sure enough, they had a car accident, wrapped the car around a tree, and they all died. Poor Brian took that very hard, and he killed himself. Hmm. Yes. Um, and he's doing great on the other side, by the way. He's doing fantastic. So during Brian's reading for his mom, Jody, and we're on the phone, another young man shows up. His name is Morgan Boisson, and his mom is the president of what later became Helping Parents Heal. So I say to Jody, do you know... Morgan Poisson? No. Could your son have met? He lived in France. I know he lived in Arizona. No, I don't see how. And I said, well, they really like each other. They met on the other side and they're hiking in heaven. Okay, that's nice. No proof, right? Where's the evidence? None. Wait for it. It's coming. So just a few weeks later, Morgan's mother, Elizabeth, is having a reading with a medium named Tina Powers down in Tucson. I've never met or spoken with Tina, didn't know her. And Tina has Morgan coming through and says, he's got a, another young man with them. She gives details that point to Brian. But then she says, oh, they're hiking in heaven. Hmm. Same exact words. Nice. Yeah, that's, right. that's awesome. It's a beautiful story yeah. because the fact it shows you that people on the other side will arrange for their loved ones here to meet and be friends and comfort each other, especially the kids on the other side. And it's also wonderful because it didn't happen in a lab, you know, so it was more poignant, um, very beautiful, and it helped heal two families. And as the story is told eight years later, now it's healing thousands. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. You know, all these stories, anecdotal, or whether they're in a scientific, you know, in a lab experiment, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of evidence out there showing that this stuff is real, you know, but I know some people will still have some reservation, as you mentioned earlier, about like, you know, these people are coming through and like, I know you there's- Yeah, you know, but I know there are some people who even just think about the idea of talking to the dead. They think, oh, red flag, you know, that's, that's demonic and dangerous. And I know that's something that, a lot of people with a religious background tend to say, you know, thanks to you know TV and a lot of horror flicks. So isn't there a dark side to this as well, where it's not always all light and love? And if so, if there is this dark side, how can you ease people's fears about this? 
Oh, God, that's a wonderful question. Well, first off, the best protection that anyone can have is to have your own loving thoughts and keep your words and your actions based in compassion. And so it's, it's your good intentions that give you the best protection from the spirit world. Joshua, I'm much more scared of the living than I am of the so-called <laughs> dead. <laughs> no, but um, there is there is a dark side to everything. There there is a, a yin yang, a negative charge, a positive charge. But your exposure to it can be limited when you are centered, you are grounded, your intentions are of are from love and pure. And so I teach grounding and centering and protection as sort of like a basic um, intuition development 101 to my students. And I teach students all over the world in small group mentoring sessions. That is where we start with, let's get the basics. You're not doing this to get the, the uh, lottery numbers. You're not doing this to do spells or, or conjuring and things like that. Because there are low level beings. Sure. They're not in what we would call heaven. They're just in a vibration even lower than earth. And let's face it, earth is a pretty low vibration that would love to come in to you through the Ouija board or would love to get involved with you in dark practices. As long as you're not doing those, you have nothing to fear. So, I mean, these lower levels, though, I mean, um, would you call it hell? You know, you can call it hell, hellish. but most of my friends in the spirit community have referred to it as the lowers and the lower realms. And, you know, it's funny. I had this discussion with a scientist the other day. I've yet to have a soul come through and use the word hell. Uh, hell or the word akashic records okay <laughs> right so i'm like it's labels it's labels sure. um i i've had in just a basic reading someone say i'm not in hell don't worry ha ha <laughs> joke 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 but over there they really just think of it as oh it's those levels and they don't spend any time thinking about it yeah yeah i do know that some people wonder like these lower levels whether you call it hell or not like because of the religious doctrine that people have inherited are these lower levels eternal where people are stuck there? Well, no. We are, we're promised by a loving creator that there is an eternal progress of the soul. And that I, I'm going to use the word hell just for a common vocabulary here. We create our own hell. Because when our body dies, where we go next is determined by the sum of our thoughts, words, and actions on the earth, those all get stored in the aura or the energy field around us. That aura doesn't die just because the body dies. The aura lives with us. It's permanent, you know? So there's no getting away from it. You wanna try to live by the golden rule. So when you pop out of the body at death, your aura becomes sort of like a transporter, for lack of a better term, and it's gonna automatically take you to the vibration that you are. So there's so all the responsibility. Nice place, yeah. You know? So yes. it really matters how we live <laughs> here and now, right? Exactly. I like the quote you put in your book, which was from uh, Edgar Casey, where he says, you know, for you grow to heaven and you don't go to heaven. You know, and I, I think, yeah, that, that's such yeah, a good quote, right. you know, so like what we do here 
um, or even in the next life, right? It really matters how we live our lives. You know, it's not just this uh, say a little prayer, then bam, you know, you're in this, this you know, paradise without, yeah. in a sense, doing mm -hmm. the work, you know. It does, but that can upset people too, that thought. Yeah. So I try to tell people, try to be perfect and love perfectly, but know that you, you, you're not going to be perfect. And as long as you get up every day and you mostly do the best and you mostly do the right thing, you're fine. You're fine. You're going to go to a very pleasant place and you can continue to grow even once you get there, which I've been researching now. You know, how does it grow? How does a soul keep growing once it's out of the body on the other side? How do you spiritually grow? It's a lot easier to grow here because we have the conflict than it is over there. So try to learn your lessons here, but don't worry about being perfect. Be concerned about loving perfectly. Oh, that's good. You know, so I mean, that's why the lesson, we got a lot of lessons to learn here. Might as well wake up now to, you know, the reality of um, what really matters in life is, is love and service, you know, and helping other people. Um, instead of just living for ourselves and what we do now, once we cross over, it ca it carries over the things that we've done, everything that we've done, everything yes. that we've thought, and um, consciousness continues. You know, which I think yeah, is a big it, blow yes. to a lot of the religious dogma that I, you know, learned for so many years that um, it seemed like you know all the stupid stuff that we've done it just gets wiped out because. You just receive Jesus into your heart, you know, and I'm not to say that there's no such thing as any hope or redemption, but it's like we just we don't take into account that what we do here actually does matter. <laughs> exactly. It's not a one shot deal yeah. where you get blessed and you can do whatever you want and then go get blessed again yeah. <clears throat> because you haven't done so great. It, it's it's a sum total. It's a it's a, a cumulative effect on the soul. Everything we think about, everything we do, and nobody's going to judge us once we leave the body and go to heavenly home. Nobody's going to judge us. Except we really ourselves. judge ourselves, right? Really, and some people are very hard on themselves because of missed opportunities. And it takes them a little while once they get home there to sort of get over it. But listen, I grew up in the church. We walked right across the street. And we're at the church. I was a child of death. I went to every funeral up until age uh, about 12 um, when we moved uh, further away with my granddad doing the funerals. I saw the so-called dead standing by the coffin at their own funeral. I saw them walking around, looking in the pews and giving hugs to the people there. I saw them say, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I know my grandfather saw them too. Um, almost as often as I did. So what he was teaching, and he was well ahead of his time, was when he said, no one comes to the Father but through me, quoting Jesus, he would, he would quickly back that up with being like Jesus. Hmm. No one comes to the Father but through being like Jesus, not being a Christian or paying church um, uh, tithes, Although, you know, they do great work in the community. So please don't give up your church. You're making a difference in the community. But do think. God didn't tell you to just accept everything at face value. They're he's trying to tell us to love. Right. Following the model that Jesus set out for people. Exactly. Right, which is My love. granddad played golf with a Catholic priest and a Jewish rabbi. And, you know, they had these great discussions. 
and um, sometimes I caddied or we'd go fishing or whatever. So I got to hear all of this as a child growing up. It's profoundly changed the way I look at the spirit world and, and life. So I'm glad we, we really got to emphasize that because, you know, like I said, when it comes to religion, a lot of it's very focused on beliefs and doctrine, doctrine, instead of focusing on loving, <laughs> you know, or like right. everyone's focused on like, you know, um, is Jesus, you know, um, God in the flesh or blah, 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 instead of focusing on the model that Jesus set out for people, which was to love and to forgive and to show compassion and to heal, etc. So loving really matters. Well, a, a thousand years ago, we needed a lot of rules and a lot of dogma. People were illiterate and they would be just sort of, you know, like Neanderthals or heathens if they didn't have a lot of rules and a lot of things. And, and the church was the law. So what worked then doesn't necessarily work now. There's a new spirituality evolving that has to do with putting compassion first. Yeah. You know, um, just to kind of go back to like on how you even saw, you know, you go with your grandpa to these funerals and you would see the quote unquote dead people actually there next to their coffin. So, you know, based all these years, based on the data that you've collected, Suzanne, you know, what what happens when a person dies in a sense of like, what if you could just take us through some of the stages that happens, like the moment of death, can you kind of give us a, a picture of some of the stages? Well, it seems to be different depending on how the person died. So there's similarities. The differences are, it, it is a lot easier of an experience if you allow yourself to die in a state of grace and calm. So those who do seem to have a very, very easy trip through to that vibration. They, they talk about seeing a light, some see a tunnel, Although I never saw a tunnel, I just heard beautiful music, but of course I only had a near-death experience. And there is someone there to greet you, either a loved one that's near and dear to your heart, uh, a pet that's near and dear to your heart, or they'll see sometimes an angel or a religious figure, what, who you need to see, and you can request who you want to meet you at death, although it's not necessary, but you can request and it will be honored. And they just have their arms extended out to you because nobody can pull you into that light. My recommendation is go straight into their go arms. Go to the light. Go. Yes, do it. And then once you get there, you're shown a, the beautiful scenery. There will be people standing around waiting to see you. If you're tired or if you've had cancer or you've been very sick or had chronic pain or you had a traumatic ending, you may need a little rest. And then you'll have a stop in what some of my, my friends in the dead community call the um, halls of healing. Halls of healing, yeah. Mm -hmm. that, sometimes they call them just the halls or the healing place, but halls of healing seems to be kind of a standard thing we've been hearing. And you'll go into sort of like a spa-like <laughs> setting and lie nice. down. And, and you really do sleep. It's like the best nap of your life. And those of you who have insomnia, listen. This is pure heaven. <laughs> yeah. Someone will wake you up when it's time to go to your memorial service because most of them do. And when you're ready, you go to the hall of reunion, have your welcome home party, have a general review of your life, but you'll be reviewing your life in detail later on. The biggest thing in the early stages is welcome, welcome, welcome. You've done very well. We love you. Don't you feel fabulous? Nice. 
so I think that's new for a lot of people, to be honest. You know, it's like especially how you mentioned that there's these halls of healing. It's like, are people resting? I mean, people usually just think it's just heaven, hell. You know, at least a lot of religious folks, and it's like they think that everything's just perfect already. And because I, you know, just even having a lot of people um, on my show where we talk about this um, particular topic, there are even times where people don't even know that they're dead. Right, it's not always just like this perfect paradise immediately, because like it's, it takes some time to adjust, right? Yeah, and you you'll be given the patience and the time to adjust that you need. And those who are in denial that they're dead, that that does happen. And you may, if you're in denial, you may wake up and it will look like you're in the hospital, but you feel good. You're just confused, and there there literally are those who volunteer to act as nurses and doctors and counselors. And when you're ready to say, oh, I did leave my body behind on earth. Okay, I'm ready. Then you can leave the hospital and walk out into the beautiful sunshine and the beautiful community. But it's just like here, except there is no um, center on ego. Uh, there's no centering on money competition there's no illness the heavenly country has no death and um they're very concerned about how we're doing here on earth but they're not worried and upset they're not they miss us but it's a bittersweet cherished feeling because they could tune into us whenever they want it's sort of like we're we on earth to them it's like we're away at camp having our fun days and our crappy days and um, they're there watching and cheering us on. Hmm, nice. And this is very physical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they surprise me sometimes. I, Joshua, the older I get, the more I'm learning to never say never. Because I used to say, oh, they never eat over there. You don't have to eat. And then for the last few years, I've had people coming in. I was doing, telling me they're eating over there. Or they simulate eating. They don't really have to It's just eat. something that I they enjoy. Yeah, they enjoy. For some people, it wouldn't be heaven without the culinary delights, as some of them have explained to me. <laughs> right, right. And that's cool. And as you mentioned earlier, too, so these people, you know, they eventually have something called the life review, right? Yeah. Where they'll see the big picture of like all their thoughts and actions and everything that they've done, good and bad. And, and so is that what's the purpose of all that? Growth, learning, understanding. To see um, like what compassion. choices they'll make in the next life? It can be that, but it can also be understanding if you weren't able to get it right in a certain area, maybe while you're here, you can use your abilities to inspire someone on earth to get it right. Maybe by helping someone else on earth, you will be able to heal the things that, that you did that weren't so good so it's not about oh you got to go back and fix this it's not about uh you know you have to go back and do this better next time yeah there's that but there's also helping, helping heal others. people here yeah they'll come down and they'll whisper in our ear don't do that that's unethical <laughs> right. you know i did so that <laughs> there's, there's many ways right <laughs> exactly there's so many ways to serve mm. and there's so many ways to learn it's not all just one way. 
Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, it is. So, I mean, I mean, we're speaking about different kinds of incarnations, right? So it's like what you're referring to. Um, At times it could be referred to as like the life between lives period, you know, so you're kind of like in the in between Mm -hmm. before you incarnate again, which of course it implies reincarnation. But, you know, I've, I've seen people, you know, reject this whole idea of reincarnation because they're thinking, man, if that were true, then I don't remember anything prior to this life. So what would be the point? So what, what's your response to something like that? When you come to the earth, you bring with you your soul and your soul knows everything that you've learned. It's not completely forgotten. It's only forgotten from the analyzing, rationalizing part of you. If you take a moment and before you act, weigh in and do a gut check. How does this really feel? Is this the right decision? And whether it's your guides making you feel the yes or no, or whether it's you or your higher self, does it really matter? Most people don't stop and think and evaluate, is this ethical? Is this right? Is this is in my best interest? Will this help the growth of my soul? Or, or could this possibly do harm? So t- to say that it's like you're starting over every time is not true. You come here with all the knowledge you need to succeed in the rough classroom of Earth. You just have to take time to check in. One of the things you can do is first thing in the morning, when you first wake up, ah, I'm here. Thank you. I'm grateful. Now, tell me, what do I need to know today? And then just pause for a moment. Perhaps a flash of an image will pop into your mind or a, a few words will come to you or a thought. Pay attention to that thought because your soul knows. I guess another answer could be it's the fact that like we, if we had all the knowledge from our previous lives it would be pretty overwhelming too if we had all the answers already right it's like what lessons can we yeah, even learn yeah well e- exactly good point if, if you came here knowing everything it's like the teacher giving you the answers to the test questions you wouldn't learn you wouldn't study you wouldn't go through the ups and downs that you actually came here for and earth has a lot of awesome and magnificent things to offer that the other side has but they're different and people miss the differences. You know, it's kind of like the the greasy cheeseburger joint, you know, that you go to and you know, you know it's awful, you know it's bad for you, you know it's got high cholesterol, but man, it's good. <laughs> and Earth is like a, a series of big juicy greasy cheeseburger places, you know? Um, people miss some of the things that we have here even though it's really quote unquote better on the other side so it's worth it to be here make the most of it so you know for those people who it's it's hard for them to you know make the most of this life where life gets kind of hard so i know when it comes to this topic of death the issue of suicide comes up you know just people who can't handle the 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 life lessons that we're given here is just too much and overwhelming you know what happens to those people who committed suicide you know and was it ever part of their soul's plan can i just say you're a brilliant interviewer oh, i'm just gonna thanks. say you're a brilliant interviewer <laughs> thank you no idea well you have an outline it's part of your soul's plan i had no idea what you're gonna ask but you're covering all the big points oh cool that i hope to cover nice. so god bless you and thank, thank you, you. <laughs> um all right so suicide no 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 never <laughs> never 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 and this is a never that needs to stick folks because 
you'll be so upset with yourself when you get there. The younger people seem to have an easier time getting over it. Um, but the people, I think over about 30, they really beat themselves up when they get home. Like, shoot, I went through all of that for nothing. Um, because the things that you went through that were so challenging that upset you so much were designed by you. You didn't say exactly how you wanted to suffer. You just said, I need to learn some important lessons. Well, you got the best way to learn them, but you gave up on yourself. Don't do it. Having said that, those who have a loved one on the other side of life who did punch their own ticket, did take their own life early, don't worry about them. Send them loving thoughts and prayers because after they wake up from their hall of healing and they get out into their world, they're going to receive all of your thoughts and prayers and they're going to need them because everyone has their arms open wide to hug them and help them and include them, but they feel like the odd person out because they gave up over here. They feel like failures. They're not. Eventually they get over it, but it can be really hard. They're not in a bad place except for mentally, and even that's temporary. Nothing's ever permanent. Sure, and I'm glad you emphasize, you know, the whole, you know, don't do it because it's like, especially people who read a lot of books about like the afterlife and people visiting heaven and all that, like it could cross someone's mind like, well, why not just die? <laughs> you know, so they could go and some to- have. Yeah, some and have. it's sad, you know, that they just, you know, they would choose to do that and take it into their own hands and because they would want yes. a better life. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you emphasize that we should never do it and that it'll still be a process for them in the afterlife. But it's like, I know what you're saying at the same time, it's encouraging because- those who have lost someone to suicide, they could have the thought, you know, like, hey, they're, what if they're in hell? You know, that's probably the unforgivable sin. I mean, like there are, there's a lot of people that think like that. Well, I got to tell you something, Joshua. Last year, I had a very heartbreaking incident where um, I, on my calendar, I will take the first name of the client that I'm going to read. And I write that on a legal pad um, and I start to meditate. And as I, I wrote this woman's name on the legal pad, I saw one of my clients that I had had every six months for years. And, but I thought, well, this is a different first name. Well, the lady that arrived at my office was her mother. <clears throat> and as soon as I started the reading, my client, the daughter came in and I was like, oh my God, you're dead. And she said, yes. And she gave me my symbol for suicide. Mm. Her mother, my client, proceeded to tell me, I had a dream, Suzanne. And I knew my daughter came to see you, but I didn't know about the contents of your readings with her. Because we worked on business and relationships, not just visiting with um, deceased, her, her pets and her people. And, but she didn't know the contents. And she said, I, in my dream, my daughter said she was sorry that she killed herself. And then she said, Suzanne told me that I would be upset with myself if, if I did that. Because at one time, I, I don't even recall it, but apparently one time the subject came up. And I never think of this woman. It's the people you don't expect, Joshua, that seem to have it all, that do this. Sure. And so she said, so I had this dream that 
um, she's telling you, Suzanne, that you were right, that she's really upset with herself. And so I said, well, that's very true. Um, I would have said something like that. So we spent that hour talking to her daughter on the other side and telling her to forgive herself, um, telling her to get a counselor there that would help her. She had refused counseling. And, um, and then for the last few minutes, she, her energy really lightened up. And then we were talking about her horses. Um, she got her horses back over there. It had passed before her and she was happy. And so we ended the session with, so you can see what a wonderful life awaits you there on the other side of life if you'll just allow yourself to forgive yourself. And I, I think she did. I hope she did. I pray that she did. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, because I'm sure it's tough when they cross over and then they feel a lot of shame and regret, especially leaving all the other people behind heartbroken. She was, she was, she did it in just like a, a spur of the moment thing yeah. too. Yeah, and I, I know that's what can happen. It's just life could get so overwhelming and in that moment you just think that's the solution. You know, unfortunately, mm -hmm. unless they just pressed on for another day and they could have saw the light again, you know, just to not give up. And um, so, yeah, I'm so glad, you know, we, we talked about that. And I'd also like to ask you yeah. about children. You know, because that's, that's also a big topic when it comes to death. What happens to a child, you know, when they die? Well, I love the kids so much because they're so dedicated to their families here on earth. And my first few years of doing this work full time, it was almost 100% kids from the other side. And I got to know their culture there and how they support each other and how they cheer each other on. They have so much fun reaching out and sending signs like um, hummingbirds and butterflies and dragonflies and symbols and breaking into the dreams of their parents and their siblings and their grandparents on earth to say hello. And they go to the halls of reunion where there are special staging areas where kids and also spirit guides who um, are sort of like teachers teach them how to make all this stuff happen because it's it is work believe it or not to make that butterfly do the loop-de-loo and give you a sign and that is work for them it's, it's not easy for them either it's just as hard for them as it is for us you know to make the communication happen but they have a blast working with each other and helping each other do that and then they have these um, discussion circles and the kids discussion circles on the other side of life are, are so fun and so lively um, they laugh a lot. They brag about how their families on earth are doing like, oh, my mom is, is getting better. She still misses me, but of course, but she's back to playing bridge on Thursdays again. And everybody's like, yeah, all right. You know, so they're, the kids are super supportive of each other. And if they're little children, when they get there, there's usually like a grandparent or a great grandparent or people who are just absolutely love the kids that hang out with them and I mean growing up in heaven is is not uh, horrible it's not lonely um, and they tell us that they won't age more than early 20s so that even if the parents don't join them for 40 or 50 years you know they're gonna be still a youthful person and um, kind of in their prime it's just a great place yeah like in their prime yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I had a woman a few years ago who was in her 70s and she had lost a 10 year old a long, long time ago. And he, he comes in like 
I, I see a young man about 25 and she's like, no, that's impossible. Uh, I don't know who that is. But every detail he gave, that was her 10 year old son down to his jersey and his team number and all that. So I, I started learning, oh yeah, of course. You know, I'm knocking myself on the thick noggin here. Yeah, they don't get any older than that. So it's pretty cool really to be a kid in heaven. It, it's horrible for the families here. There's no greater pain for the families here, but fortunately, you know, they reach out and support each other more now than they did 10, 20, 30 years ago. They have people to talk with who have the same experience and they celebrate their kids. So, you know, it's, it, it's rough, but I'll tell you this bottom line. Okay. Don't try to figure out the reasons why shit happens to you on the earth, especially the worst of it. Just try to learn to trust that once you get to the other side of life, you will understand everything. You will appreciate all the suffering that you had and you'll never look back at it again. Yeah. Just kind of gives you a, a reason to just go on. Like even though you don't understand, there is some sort of reason, like a bigger yes. purpose for it all, you know, to kind of yes. spur you in the moment and say, hey, don't give up. You don't, you don't have to figure it out, but there's a reason. And yes. uh, it'll make sense it, yes. later down the road. And so. I, you know, exactly. And I, I like to keep it real yeah. and just admit that Earth is tough. And but also let's acknowledge that Earth is a coveted place to be. There are we we're hearing that there's more souls on the other side wanting to come here than there are bodies being born right now. Yeah, it's a good place to be for now, you know. <laughs> I mean, with all the hardships, life can be beautiful. We all have our ups and our downs, but depending what your perspective can be in life, life can be a beautiful thing if you choose to to make right. it that way. You know, so I mean, what what can what tips can you give like for those people who have lost their loved one or they want to know their spirit guide? Like how how can we get started to do that? Because I mean, so it's not just theory like, oh, yeah, well, I heard we have spirit guides or I heard we could talk to our dead loved one. But like, what are some tips that you can give our audience to just like try? Well, there are some very simple things that you can do to start. And one is if you have a big question in life that you're facing, like, should I move? Um, should I be looking for another job or something like that? Write your question down on a piece of paper before you go to sleep at night and put it somewhere near the bed. And as you fall asleep, fall asleep with that question. You know, I really like some insights into this question. And when you first wake up in the morning, you know that moment when, oh, I know I'm awake. I know I'm awake, but I'm going to not really be awake for a second. When you first know that, ask um, the, for the answer to the question. Ask for the insight. That moment when you're just waking up, and earlier I said you can ask, what do I need to know today? That moment can be when you remember your visit to the astral plane during the night. When there's something heavy on your mind, especially if you write a question down, you focus the energy, you've brought it into physical world, you probably slipped out of your body and your soul self went and talked with your team or your guides or grandpa or mom in heaven. And you had a discussion, but you won't really remember all of the details of it. You might remember little pieces of it, but you can 
anyone can access the bottom line from that. Like, um, it's like a gut feeling. I always say like the body's a human pendulum, feel it in your gut or feel it in your heart um, of, oops, red light, stop, green light, go, yellow caution light, you know, whatever it is, there's always a way to get information from the team. That's just one quick way. The next one is invite a dream visit. Invite a dream visit with, uh, for, with a loved one if you want to meet with them. And there's actually a specific recipe for inviting a dream visit that has to do with um, what, pick one night a week. And on that night, um, you know that's going to be your date for your dream visit. So let's say Sunday night, I want to visit with grandma. All week long, every day, I'm going to say, Grandma, remember Sunday night, come into my dream because Grandma's got to get to a rehearsal area in the Hall of Reunion and start figuring out, well, how do I do this dream visit stuff? Or maybe she knows. I don't know. She still needs an appointment because she's got stuff to do too. She's got to put a lot of energy into it, right? So then when Sunday rolls around, um, first off, I have Grandma's name on a little sticky note on the bathroom mirror. Last thing I do before I go to sleep is brush my teeth. I see her name. Yes. Reminder. As I'm getting ready to get in bed, I have her picture by my bed. I have a bowl of water because water is a spirit conductor. And I have actually a brooch that she gave me, an object of hers that carries her energy. I set them by the bed. And as I'm falling asleep, I fall asleep with a happy memory of grandma and me, stuff we were doing, for us, that would be um, making chicken and dumplings. So I see that memory. I feel that memory in my body and my heart. And right as I fall asleep, I ask for the gift of the dream visit and furthermore, the gift of remembering the dream. Nice. It works. In the morning, again, in that moment when you know you're just waking up, that's when you want to say, what happened last night? And just let it flood back to you. And it can be just little bitty pieces but take it, take the win. Be grateful for that little bitty piece of memory. And if nothing else, you're going to have that great feeling of having had to visit. Document this stuff, keep a journal, keep a journal of all your signs and dream visits and things. If it didn't work the first time, try it again a week later, a week later. I say try it at least three times before you give it a rest. When you do get the dream visit, celebrate it, be grateful because gratitude will get you more dream visits and then give it a rest, invite somebody else next time. But these are just a couple of really simple ways that I've heard from people around the world. They saw them in my book. They followed A, B, C, D, one, two, three, and it worked. But Joshua, sometimes it doesn't work. And I'm gonna tell you about that. So I had a woman, and this is just a typical story. It represents um, several dozen people. She wrote me a beautiful email about how she's tried for years to connect with her young daughter and um, it just didn't work. And she thought, since I was her best reading ever, if she followed my advice, surely it would work. And she tried the meet and meditation the way I, I describe it. She tried to meet in a dream visit. She thought, well, I'm gonna try to meet in meditation one more time. Didn't work. Her heart's broken. And I'm reading this email going, oh my God, this poor woman. Then I get to the next paragraph and she tells me the good news. She said, about an hour after I tried to meet my daughter in meditation this time, I was sitting on the end of my bed crying. 
my daughter appeared. She was sitting on the bed next to me. She threw her arms around me and I felt her hug me. I could smell her hair. It only lasted an instant, but Suzanne, she was there. And I want to thank you. So it I did didn't happen. do anything. Yeah, that works. <laughs> she opened up. She let go of all doubt. She had no fear. Is this bad or good to do or whatever? And she never gave up. And it just took time is all. So even if you don't get the actual thing you asked for, something's coming to you. Maybe in another way. And as you said, it's those Maybe on the other better. side. They still got to figure out a way on how to communicate, right? Right. That's exactly right. Um, it's work. So just like we take classes and people take classes with me or they go to workshops or whatever, they do they're doing too. the same thing. <laughs> they take classes yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's fun. They love it as much as we do. Maybe even more because it's fun doing it and it's fun watching our reaction. Yeah, yeah. What's great, you guys, is that um, Suzanne has this all laid out in her book. Like She has like several ways to try to contact your spirit guide and get its name and you know, even different prayers and scripts at the end of the book, which I found really helpful. It's really, really cool. And you even have like um, some downloadable stuff, right? Um, if people yeah, want to like I put this, it all out it's there. It's all on your website, right? I've got and, and videos. So yeah, For just sure. share it. You know, so yeah, as we close, Suzanne, you know, any closing thoughts or advice you want to give to our listeners? Know that you're not alone and know that we're all children of the same creator and love really does live forever. No one we love is ever lost. Beautiful, beautiful. So what's next for you? Because you already wrote your first book and you actually messaged me last night. Are you working on a second book already? I'm working on a second book about life in heaven. Nice. And um, what, it's, what it's really like. And I've compiled, I have about 10 years worth of journals wow. that I've gone through and highlighted and colored highlighters. <laughs> so there's like, there's like three more books and how-to books for my students as well. So I have two more outlined right now and I've already started one. And my classes are just full of wonderful people either developing their intuition or their mediumship abilities. And plus we have the Afterlife Research and Education Institute conference. It's the symposium. When is that? For 2018. It's in Scottsdale, September 13th through 16th. The website, you can go to carefreemedium.com and find it or afterlifesymposium.org as we are a nonprofit. So it's a .org. Um, gosh, there's just... Yeah, but you got a lot going know, I, on because you do a lot of like even yeah. uh, Facebook Live and, you know, you have like subscri subscription courses and, you know, so yes, that's, you have a lot. It's, exactly. it's going to be on the website, you guys. Um, as you heard her, it's carefreemedium.com and... She has a lot of services that she provides over there. You could also check out her, her book, which I, I love it. My wife was reading it too, and she loved it too. Uh, the book's called Soul Smart um, on Amazon.com. You can find it there. And if you guys appreciate the show, you want to continue to support me, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Joshua Tongle. Because uh, in case you didn't know, to keep this podcast running, you guys, it actually costs money. So I would appreciate any kind of help you guys can offer. And of course, if you guys got two minutes, just write a review on iTunes because it'll help more people discover the show. And I love reading them too. So, and of course, you know, please share this interview with your friends, especially if you know someone who's lost a loved one. Um, I think this interview would encourage them. And of course, check out Suzanne's work. So Suzanne, 
thanks so much for coming on the show. I love your carefree spirit. The name fits you. <laughs> you know, and Thank I appreciate you. your insights and all the awesome things that you're doing to help people in this life and even those on the other side. Much love to you, Joshua. Thank you. Thank you. Alrighty, guys. Once again, thanks for listening. And I'll catch you guys on the flip side. I'm out. Peace. <laughs>